All right, if you guys have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 7, 15 through 20. We are winding down the Sermon of the Mount right now. It's coming to a close. It's coming to a conclusion. Jesus leads us in a series of, hey, beware about this. Make sure you're on guard. Those types of comments and questions. So today when we get into this, we will see um, Jesus warns us as his followers, and this is a good thing. We can take heed to his warning. So this is what Matthew seven fifteen through 20 says. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So, every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. I'm going to pair this today with Psalm 1 verse 3 because I find a lot of the Sermon on the Mount in Psalm verse 1. It says this, Psalm 1 verse 3, it says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaves do not wither and all that he does, he prospers. So we can tell, once again, Jesus there talking about fruit. But there has been a problem since the beginning of the Christian church. Like a, a big problem. This problem is false prophets, and as Christians, we call these false prophets wolves. Wolves in. Wolves, what do they do? They steal sheep, and then what do they do? Do they raise them as their own and care for them? No, they eat them, right? Sometimes in books. Sometimes in books, but those, that's not what real wolves do. Real, real wolves steal sheep and eat them. And throughout scriptures, followers of Yahweh are referred to as sheep or as wolves? As sheep. We're referred to as sheep. So you and I are sheep here today. And these wolves are teachers and leaders who lead people away from Jesus and not towards him. Whether they do this knowingly or not, we don't know because some people lead people away and they're maybe not even aware of it. False prophets are seen, not just in the New Testament, not just in the Christian church, as we get on in the book of Acts and and that sort of thing, but they are seen in the Old Testament as well as the New. They prophesy for money. They prophesy what people want to hear. They prophesy for their own gain and their own good. And this isn't to say that they never have offered a prophecy that isn't true, right, or good. Or even that they've done this with their own purposes, that God can't use it in some way. Even though it says that uh, a diseased tree can't bear good fruit. However, that fruit that is being born there, the seed is planted by Jesus, even though he uses maybe someone else. But somewhere along the way, This person, this prophet, this teacher, maybe they were initially following God, but they lost their motivation to hear from God. And they saw 
what was being made of them, and they saw other things that needed to be gained or that could be gained from their simply, uh, instead of simply pleasing God who gives them the gift. It would be wise for us to be able to recognize wolves, amen? Like as we walk with Jesus, but the thing is, is that they're not easy to spot. They are dressed up in sheep's clothing. This, is, this shows us that they're not easy. Jesus already taught us that we are not to judge, right? That we don't just judge, go around judging everybody, condemning everyone that we disagree with as a wolf. We also know that Jesus taught us that we need to take the log out of our own eye before we see the speck in someone else's eye and help them take it out. This means a few things. One, it means that the wolves know this. They know this and then they exploit it to gain traction in their movement, to steal sheep away. Number two, since none of us are perfect, we are oftentimes slow to recognize wolves and who are the sheep among us. There's a positive side to this, that, that maybe we extend grace But we do need to be wise to know who is a wolf and who is going to lead us closer to Jesus. Number three, wolves may start out as sheep. They may be simply followers of Jesus, but then they find out that they can manipulate the scriptures to make much of themselves. Satan did this, didn't he? Using the name of Jesus to do this and hide behind a Christian veneer of being a sheep They can do this. Number four, we don't want to label everybody a wolf who we disagree with. And yet, we want to be able to spot them. So, what there, and I love that Jesus uses this as as a metaphor because wolves are oftentimes very cunning. They're able to take risks, and, and a lot of times these risks have big payoffs. Because of the nature of Jesus' grace, He gives us. And we all need it, uh, and it becomes easier for wolves to be elevated into a position of leadership in a church. And it appears for a time that they are successful. They may even give God the glory with their lips and then steal the glory for themselves. Maybe this is in gathering people or gathering influence, or maybe it's in gathering money or buildings. We have wolves in the pulpits and the leadership of churches all across the United States and and beyond and into the rest of the world. Some who have spread their cunning and wicked tactics from their hometown and throughout the world. Their, Their good, their seemingly, their tactics will be quoted all over the place. And we need to learn, Jesus is telling us here, we need to learn to recognize the wolves. If we ever follow a wolf, which I know I've been in churches where I, I'm pretty sure that there was wolves in there, you know what we get to do? We repent and we walk away from them. We recognize that they wounded us and so we need time to heal, but we continue to seek the truth that God has for us in Christ Jesus. Amen? That's what we get to do. This doesn't mean that we don't trust churches again just because in one church there was a wolf. No, we still get to try and trust the church again. We get to 
discern and learn. We get to follow what God has for us. We open ourselves up and there's always a risk of getting hurt. But the scars that we accumulate along the way as followers of Jesus are things that Jesus will use either to help us, to warn us, to show us, to guide us through these things that will happen. From death is life. This is how the kingdom of God works. Jesus wants to bring good news, even from our pains, even from maybe those times when we mistrusted or or trusted the wrong leader. A wolf uses, see, the, the interesting thing is a wolf uses tactics that true followers of the kingdom of God do their best to avoid. But they also use tactics that, um, that uh, sometimes you can't tell if, like, that tactic's not necessarily bad. It's just that, you know, in the hands of a wolf, at the motivational level, it becomes very bad. This is why they're so hard to detect, especially here in the United States. One of the reasons for this is we've gauged success in the United States is something that grows quickly or something that eventually grows into something big. So, for example, a farm must produce a, a farm that produces more fruit is better than a farm that produces less fruit. That's how we generally see things in this country. The farmer who produces more fruit must be a better farmer than the farmer who produces less fruit. This is how we've been trained to see things. We don't take into account the quality of food being produced on the farm. We don't take into account the amount of the care of animals on that farm or the care of the employees on that farm. We don't take into account the care of the soil and its longevity. Typically, we look at the end result. They are successful because they produce more. More equals better. And when we look at this in this way, we miss so much of what's really going on. And as followers of Jesus, we need to be wiser than that. Jesus says the weak things of this world are there to shame the wise. By all accounts, the Amish who have farmed the same land, the family land for generations and generations, have healthier albeit smaller farms than the top producing farms in America. They are slow, they're careful, they're skilled, and their sustainability is greater. It feeds their community. This is to point out that bigger is not always better. Yes, sir. Uh, what's the farm called again? It's uh, the Amish people. Are, they, they, they farm differently than the bigger farms in America. So, and by all accounts, those farms are healthier than just big, huge, massive farms, even though they produce less fruit or less food. The other thing that we need to believe, uh, that we need, as Americans need to believe in, is speed. We say, say things like this. Oh, they just opened that church, that store, that thing, and look at the number of people. Look how fast they've grown. And if it's a church and we say, well, God must be at work. And this is the one way we can see God at work is in speed. And while there are moments in Scripture, like in Acts 2 and 3, where thousands upon thousands were being added to their numbers daily, and this was from God, not every move of speed is from God. Speed does not 
equal or equate to success in the things that God has for us or in godliness. In the church planting world, which I've been a part of, there are tips and tactics to grow a church. You know why these tips and tactics are there? Because they work. It's been proven. It's been shown over and over and over again. There is a way to gather people for just simply the sake of gathering people. It doesn't matter if it's a church or whatever it is. And I pray that the church planters, that the church planter is a sheep and not a wolf. Because a sheep will use these tactics uh, if, if God leads them that way. And growth may happen quickly or slowly, but it will be from God and the fruit will be good. Sometimes God asks not to use these tactics. A wolf may use these same tactics and they may grow quickly and look as though they have a lot of fruit, but their motivation is entirely different. When we follow Jesus, the fruit is not up to us. It is, uh, it is not, not the amount of fruit that matters, but the quality of fruit that we produce with our lives. Wolves produce fruit all the time. Only, only though, time will determine if the fruit was good or the fruit was bad. And I firmly believe that those are, there are those who produce little fruit, but the fruit is of good quality. I guess I have to believe that, right? So wolves, though, they do this thing where they use shame to motivate. They need you to do something. They make people feel guilty, and, and they make guise it in the frame of Scripture. They do this to dominate their will and to use people for their own ends. A sheep does not make his own way. A wolf does. A sheep waits to be led by the Holy Spirit. A sheep goes where it's told. The path is all the path is already revealed and if it doesn't then we have to wait you know what wolves do they make their own way they they just need a way no matter how they get it and followers of jesus are inviters not dominators or manipulators we don't have to win every disagreement or even win people to jesus we get to follow jesus and pray that he might win people unto himself Jesus showed us that his ways are inviting ways. They're not ways of force. He had all the power in the universe, and yet he didn't force anyone to follow him. He invited them. He invited them. He had all the power in the universe, and he still went to the cross. See, wolves need followers. They need, they have this need to lead. They have this need to be heard. Their voice, their directions. They need to be obeyed. They need to be right. You know what a sheep needs to do? Follow. You know what a sheep needs to do? Listen. Instead of being obeyed, a sheep needs to be obedient. A sheep realizes that Jesus is always right. And they are only right when they are following him. That's what a sheep realizes. As followers of Jesus, we are the light of the world. We shine our light before others. We don't shine our light in the eyes like a spotlight until they yield. That's what wolves do. We simply let the light of Christ shine in faith that it will bring about lasting fruit that Jesus wants to bring into our lives because we are planted in him.
As sheep as well, we live in a large degree of mystery. Sheep don't always know what the next step is. They don't always know where they should go. They're waiting for the good shepherd to guide them. That is because maybe we're, we're, we feel like we're wandering because Jesus hasn't led us where he wants to lead us yet. He wants us in that field, and then he will bring us in when it is time. It is difficult at times to wait for answers and direction. Amen? We have this friend, Ashley, who sometimes calls God Jehovah Slow. And I like this. This is not an, a biblical name for God, but the meaning is biblical. The meaning is, is that God is patient. He doesn't always work in our hurried timeline. God is patient, and his patience and his kindness are both meant to lead us unto repentance. Oftentimes, wolves will solve complex issues with very simple verdicts in a very short amount of time. The wolves love to eliminate any, if not all, the mystery and present their way as the right way. I remember one time I said to somebody, a a pastor friend of mine, who, I, I don't know if he was a wolf or not, but I said, you know, there's so much mystery in this walk with Christ. And they're like, what mystery? You just have to solve it for people. And I remember thinking that way. That's not true. That's, there is a lot that we have to, to walk in. Thus, when wolves do this, when they solve these problems, it makes them the solver of your problem and not Jesus. And oftentimes, like, we all have problems. We'd all love for them to be solved. So you know what this does? It keeps us coming around. It keeps us coming around. When they know, when the, the sheep who are listening to the wolves no longer listen and they repent and they walk away from the wolves, the wolves will say things like this. Well, I told them they should listen. Oh, it's all bad news for them. Oh, it's all downhill from here. They never listen to me. They never question. The wolves never question if their advice or given course of direction is good for that person in their particular situation. Because they don't care about that person in their particular situation. They just assume that they are right and they never have to apologize. That's a wolf. One of the tricky things about wolves and sheep's clothing is that both sheep and wolves use scripture. Actually, both wolves and sheep love scripture. Sheep love it because it brings them closer to Jesus and reveals his ways to them. It brings comfort and guidance. It brings prayers. It can bring confusion at times, but ultimately it brings them to Jesus. Wolves love scripture as well. They know it well. If you have a discerning ear and listen to wolfish preachers, you will hear them construct clever arguments to support their own conclusions. Instead of submitting to Scripture, instead of yielding to Scripture, they use it as a construction tool to build and craft whatever they want. They will use the best verses for any given situation for their advantage. I've seen this over and over and over again. Wolves also use Scriptures to intimidate. Wolves use Scripture to manipulate Instead of submitting to Jesus or the scriptures, they use it to just simply construct their own ideas, but they put Bible verses to it to get their own way to well-meaning sheep. They constantly use the Bible 
just like Satan did at the temptation of Jesus. And as we go through Matthew, we will see even the high priest and those in power act like wolves. We will see wolves in action, human wolves in action. There was no way that they would give up their power. Instead, what did they do? They had the Son of God put to death, death on a Roman cross, so that their agenda would live on. Sometimes we can see this in someone right away. Oftentimes we cannot. We may even at times get caught up in movements or with leaders who are wolves. Again, we repent, we walk away from those leaders, and we learn from them what not to do and who not to be. Let me make it clear. Having a big church doesn't mean that someone is led by a wolf or this church is being led by wolves. There can be big and small churches led by wolves. I've been a part of both. There can be big and small churches led by shepherds. I've also been a part of those both. Having a good church that has a lot of money doesn't mean wolves are leading the collection plate. It's not what it means. God has and can and does bless some gatherings financially. So just because a church grows quickly doesn't mean it's led by a wolf. Sometimes Jesus does these incredible things and he does them quickly. But we need to be on guard. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. The fruit that Jesus brings into our life is in seasons. It's not all the time. It's not constant fruit necessarily. We don't always know how long the season is. As we are to recognize the wolves by their fruits, we need to examine what good fruit looks like. And it's laid out for us in Scripture. The fruit of the Holy Spirit that we seem to talk about all the time in here because we need to know this. Even if we do this imperfectly, um, we we can ask this. Does such and such a person or leader or writer, do they have peace? What about patience? Do they have patience? Do they have kindness? Do they have goodness? Do they have faithfulness? Gentleness? Self-control? A part of that same scripture, though, in Galatians chapter 5, it says this, too. It says that, Those who don't have those things have this thing. They have enmity, which means intense hostility. They can't stand when somebody comes against them. They get mad. They have fits of jealousy. Why is that person better than me? Why are they getting the things that I deserve? They're causing strife. They're going around talking trash about people. They're causing strife. They have drunkenness and sexual immorality. I was thinking about one author that from the outset a lot of what he wrote was incredibly good. And then as he was on his deathbed, all this stuff comes out about all sorts of sexual immorality. One of the things that wolves do, one of the things that wolves do is they don't ever let you get close enough to see their flaws. To see their flaws. They won't let you get close enough to see them act angry. They're not going to act angry from stage. A lot of wolves hide behind a stage. They hide behind something and they don't ever let anybody know what's really going on. That's one of their ways of hiding. But we can, I I would say this, when you look at a leader, see what happens when they don't get their way. 
see what happens when they're, they don't get their way. How do they act? Do they accept the outcome as God's destiny for their lives or do they get angry? And I'm not talking about in the split decision. I'm over time. Do they just keep going or do they blame others? These are fruits and they have an arc that can be over one's life just as bad fruit has an arc over one's lives. Even if we can see all the fruit, we can look Even if we can't see all the fruit, we can look for these things. Jesus in our lives is playing the long game. There are people who acted like wolves, have repented, and became sheep. This happens all the time. Some wolves, though, are sneakier than others. They hide their rotten fruit better than others. Jesus never hid his fruit. Jesus takes the rotten fruit and brings about good fruit. That is why even in churches that are led by wolves... Jesus can still use that church to bring about his good in those who are truly sheep. But that is not the fruit of the false prophet because that fruit is bad fruit. That is fruit that comes from Jesus because Jesus has compassion and he loves his people. He takes their selfishness and their selfish desires and flips it on their head. Take, for example, the chief priest. We'll see him later on. We will see that he has a lot of bad fruit, that he is a wolf, that he plots plots and plans to kill Jesus, and it seems that he will succeed. You know one thing that he said? It is better for one man to die than all of us to die. Jesus would agree with that statement, and Jesus takes this and and, and acts and turns it into his own way. Jesus, however, wasn't being led by this wolf, the priest. The fruit isn't his. The wolf was God the Father and the Holy Spirit. They thought the wolf was leading, but Jesus was aware of his evil ways. And you know what Jesus did? Instead of being led by this person, he went willingly to the cross for you and for me. Jesus wasn't duped by him. Jesus knew what he must do And he must endure the mock trials. He must endure the beatings. He must endure the cross. He must endure all the humiliation that was heaped on him. He took it all on himself and he put it to death on the cross. This is what Jesus did. He did this so you and I and all our flaws, all the ways that we miss the mark of perfection, all the lack of fruit of the Holy Spirit and the other type of fruit we, that we're trying to shed, that we're trying to get rid of, he took it all and he put it on the cross as well. All our flaws can be nailed to the cross and we can live in the new life that Jesus wants to give us. Jesus took it all to the cross. He was wrapped in burial clothes and he was buried, but his fruit is in life. What happens to a seed when it goes into the ground? It dies. What comes from that? You get the plant. So Jesus went into the ground and he sprouted this resurrection life that he wants to give to you and me. The fruit of this way is the life of good fruit. It doesn't lead to death. It leads to an eternity in his kingdom. So here's my prayer. Let us follow Jesus. He's the good shepherd. Let us submit to and follow his ways and follow him. I pray that we may be able to avoid the wolves, that we'll be cunning to their teachings and their ways. And I pray that Jesus will give us the discernment to follow him at each and every step. 
So Jesus, please let us know where we are wrong, where we need to be corrected, where we are following wolves, and Lord, where we get to be sheep. Please protect us. Lord, we thank you that you're good. We thank you that you won't delay and that you will save us. So Jesus, be with us even today. In Jesus' name, amen.